Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's installment of Unheralded News, we're going to revisit the farm bill that's coming up in the Congress, and uh, this involves the ethanol, use of ethanol subsidies and so forth, and it's entitled, Win One for Your Family, Help Kill the Farm Bill. Leslie, would you read Chuck Carlson's piece for us, please? Posted by Charles E. Carlson, July 2, 2012. You can call your congressman at his local office, but only for the next few days. After that, he will go back to cavorting with the lobbies and those who fund Superfund PACs. Call him at his office now, twice a week, and ask others to call him too. You have a personal interest in the farm bill. Never mind if you're not a farmer and you're not against farmers. I'm definitely not against them. The bill is about your daily expenditures for food and fuel. Congress notes and hopes you do not know that the Farm Bill forces you to spend a fixed dollar amount every year on fuel that is not good for your car and does not help the air or water. This is your best chance to help yourself by doing something that is easy to understand. These are the facts. Your congressman has no excuse for allowing the ethanol industry to pick your pockets. He or she knows the truth. Everything we write about is scientifically known and testable. Congress is yielding to pressure, and they always do, unless you exert local pressure on them from your home. About one-third of the money you spend on ethanol is wasted, And this direct cost is by far the smallest cost to you. You are already forced to buy 10% ethanol in your gas, and the Environmental Protection Agency has mandated an increase to 15%. The energy required to produce ethanol is more than the energy it generates in your engine. This is why ethanol is a lousy, wasteful fuel, and chemical engineers have clearly understood this from the beginning. The direct cost of the ethanol scam in the form of fuel is only the tip of the cost iceberg. In my opinion, the production of ethanol is the number one cause of escalating food costs worldwide by its impact on the cost of grain and meat. Meat in the U.S. markets is directly linked with corn feed, and the ethanol scam now consumes up to one-third of all the billions of bushels of corn produced in the U.S. Corn prices are being forced higher, now exceeding $6.92 per bushel, which is $0.11 per pound. The cost of a corn yield reduced by drought and the voracious appetite of the ethanol industry gets passed on to the consumer. Trust me, your congressman knows. The Cedar Rabbits Gazette, an Iowa newspaper, says this, quote, 
When they returned from their week-long 4th of July recess, members of Congress will face a race against the clock to finish the $500 billion Farm Bill. The current Farm Bill will expire September 30th without House approval and a presidential signature. The Senate's 64-35 to 35 approval of the massive legislation, which is renewed every five years, puts the onus on the House to pass its own bill, which it hasn't yet started drafting. The GOP-controlled E-15 hasn't even scheduled its initial meeting on the bill until July 11th, and Republicans will almost certainly demand changes to the Democratic-led Senate's bill, unquote. The facts are irrefutable, and there is one more topper. This bill contains tens of billions to pay for crop insurance for farmers. This means that if a huge agribusiness company does not get a good crop, you pay the insurance company to cover their loss. It's also a direct subsidy to big insurance companies that have jumped into the crop insurance business. Try topping that one. You have only a few days to pressure your elected representative to do what he or she knows is the right thing to do, but will not do unless forced by constituents. Your message is simple. Vote no on the new farm bill and let it expire on September 30th. This bill is about giving away $500 billion. Do not try to fix it. Kill it. Don't let anyone tell you, you must save the environment. The most vocal environmentalists, including Al Gore, now openly state that ethanol does nothing at all to help clean air or prevent global warming. Balderdash is a good answer. If your congressman or an aide tries to feed you this line from the ethanol lobby, do not believe it's the humanitarian thing. The food stamp program can stand alone without ethanol scam legislation. Just say, no farm bill, let it die. This bill is too false to be fixed. Al, a reader from Arkansas, told me his grandfather and father were both bootleggers and he knew how to make corn liquor, also known as diluted ethanol. Al called to support the scientifically provable thesis that ethanol produces less energy than it costs to make. It seems that making corn liquor, white lightning, during the Prohibition era involved hiding the still where it would not be found, usually in a cave or in the woods near a clear stream. The bootlegger had to haul a batch of corn plus clean water to his still and ferment it, just like the ethanol factory does. Sometime later, the water-alcohol mix was filtered from the mash and distilled, just as the ethanol factory does. But to boil off and recover the alcohol from the water, the bootlegger applied a lot of heat, which meant burning a lot of wood, which made smoke, which made bootlegging more detectable. Why not burn part of the ethanol process last week to distill more ethanol this week? The bootleggers must have reasoned. After all, the ethanol does not make smoke and it would be easier to hide the still. I'll explain that every bootlegger knew instinctively 
that it required burning more than a gallon of corn liquor to make a gallon of corn liquor. So bootlickers knew they had to cut plenty of wood. Not one ethanol plant burns ethanol to make ethanol that would burn more than it would make. Most burn lots of natural gas. No farmers I have ever heard of burn ethanol in their tractors and trucks. They burn diesel fuel, a hydrocarbon, to make ethanol and a hydrocarbon substitute because they all know what the bootlegger knows. Ethanol is a lousy fuel. It is time to start reading and start calling. Chuck Carlson. Thank you, Chuck. This gentleman from Arkansas called me very seriously to explain that every bootlegger knew that you couldn't burn burn alcohol to make alcohol. And if you could, that would be perpetual motion, more or less. It's one of those things that's so ridiculous it's hard to believe it's real. It's kind of like the Federal Reserve. It's really hard to imagine that, that our government has licensed a bank to print money to loan to the government so they can spend money. That's really pretty hard to believe. And it's pretty hard to believe that our congressman created an industry that burns corn in order to make alcohol to burn in our cars when it takes more fuel to make the ethanol than we get back uh, from the alcohol we burn. It's just really one of those amazing things that you can't imagine how, say, you you, you just want to scratch your head and say, I must be missing something. This just couldn't be could not be true, but it is true. Well, I guess this also proves that sanity is a very rare commodity nowadays because it's all about self-interest, and we see so much recycling uh, in our industry, mentioning the Federal Reserve here. Secretary of Treasury, Timothy Geithner, was the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So you've got recycling the private industry into government and back into private industry. I mean, it goes round and round. So it's all about special interests. See, something like saying that uh, you would not be eligible to work in the White House unless you had a a prison sentence in your background. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You had to be a convict in order to get a job. uh, It's almost that insane. So we have a hard time convincing people that these simple, very, very simple facts, simple realities are fact. If we could convince 70 million people overnight of the ethanol problem, it would go away because they would simply demand in anger that their Congress not pass the bill. I want to say something else about that. A lot of farmers really feel that we are out to get them because they they feel that they need these subsidies. And what's happened here is, of course, the shortage of corn created by ethanol. It has created a shortage. It's gone from surplus to shortage in 10 short years. Uh, the price has gone so high that it has lured farmers into doing all kinds of things. They've gone out and bought more land, sometimes at very high prices. They've rented land from people at very high fees. Uh, they've bought enormous equipment so they can farm a lot more land. They've bought granaries so they can store their grain so they don't have to sell it uh, because they don't want to pay the taxes. They're, getting so much, they're making so much money they don't want to pay the taxes. Uh, they 
pour fertilizer on on their fields in tremendous quantities, and they've increased the yield of corn tremendously. But no matter how much they produce, the ethanol industry is right there to consume all of the surplus and keep the supply short. And now you have farmers caught being caught in the drought, where they are actually in danger of being in financial trouble by losing a crop because of a very natural event that's taking place, a drought that's spreading over the Midwest. And they're not going to get as big a crop of corn as they expected. The price of corn has gone up to, believe it or not, well over $7 a bushel now. It's, uh, it's, uh, and the price of all other feeds are going up. Uh, people that have horses, cattle, sheep, all kinds of animals are having trouble getting food for them. And you can lay the whole thing, most of it, of course. Uh, it'll never be blamed on, it'll be blamed on the drought or something, but it can all be blamed upon the greed of the ethanol industry that went in and siphoned off almost one-third of this huge amount of, of food grain called corn and turned it into worth less automobile fuel. It's a tragedy that needs to be addressed, and these are issues that we need to win one here and there, one by one, to let our Congress know that we really are the boss. Of course, we're not, but we need to reestablish that we are, and someplace, somehow, we have to do that with some legislation. Uh, so skeptical as we hold these truths is about uh, being able to influence our Congress on day-to-day -day issues. Uh, we think this is one that if you believe our story and, uh, and tell it convincingly, that uh, we think the congressmen already do know the facts of ethanol. We think that they have been given plenty of proof of this, and they're hiding behind the skirts of the ethanol lobby that is, of course, headed, believe it or not, by the Secretary of Agriculture, who is the former governor of the state of Iowa, the enormous corn-producing capital of the world. The ethanol story is one that can help us to win one, and we need to do that. We need to have winnable issues. Some issues, uh, we just can't win them at the present time because the complexity of them makes it too difficult to explain. But I think anybody can understand our bootleggers story, and almost anybody can find plenty of scientific evidence to back up everything that we said in, this, in these papers. All right. Well, thank you, Chuck. That was a very insightful report, and it is worth calling your congressman, letting your voice be heard, and I think what maybe people should get tough and say, if you're not going to support this, I can't support you, I'll vote for somebody else. Vote you to Exactly what should be said. The answer is no. And, uh, of course, uh, something we need to talk about here, the humanitarian question. What about the humanitarian questions? Well, do farmers need crop insurance? There's always been crop insurance available. Usually it was uh, to give you, back, give you something if you had hail. So it didn't protect you against drought, but it protected you against hail. And farmers in my day, uh, most of them refused to buy it because they knew that the premiums were usually wasted and they shrugged their shoulders and just said, if I get unlucky and lose a crop sometime, 
to the hail damage, I'll uh, manage to survive. And uh, they just did not buy into the crop insurance thing. What's being done now is the taxpayers are being forced to pay for this crop insurance. And there were a number of uh, farmers shown on a TV station here in Denver, Colorado, only today. They were showing their withered crop, but the problem resulted from their greed because what they'd done is they had gone out on irrigatable land and they had planted more corn and tilled more ground than they had water rights to. And then they tried to get away with just helping themselves to the water, and there are water limitations here because it has to be irrigated and pumped. And they found themselves without enough water and their corn dying. These farmers, it turns out, a lot of them do have crop insurance that's already guaranteed, but not as much as in the new bill. So hmm. their greed led them to overplant and, and actually steal water that they didn't have a right to, to uh, irrigate the land. And when they were stopped from doing this, they are losing part of their crop because they simply can't water it and it's going to dry up and die. It's being a desert country. It was not made for raising corn. But farmers have made huge expenditures. They've changed their lifestyles. They've bought enormous equipment. They've deeply invested. And no matter what we do about this, whether we ignore it and give them the subsidy to what we do, some of them are going to get caught in adverse situations and they're going to lose their money. And that can't be helped because this is a business and businessmen do have to know how to take their own risks. And all of them knew, but they know, of course, the best of anyone, that ethanol is an inferior fuel. They don't burn it in their tractors, believe me. And they know the ethanol manufacturers don't burn ethanol. They burn something that will burn, like natural gas. So there are going to be a lot of hard luck stories about farming going around. But in order to preserve our families and our way of life, we need to stop these outright thefts of food that will produce starvation for millions and millions of people. And the real issue here at the bottom line is a humanitarian issue, but we do know that most of the people that read this story will respond because they see the economics of it. I was going to say, if you want to contribute to all these organizations that want to stop starvation, why don't you turn around and, and, and talk to your legislators and tell them to stop the farm bill? Yeah, It's the best possible way to, uh, to, in a very, very in a significant way, to impact starvation worldwide. It yeah. actually will absolutely work, Leslie. You're completely right. Nothing uh-huh. you could do would be more effective in protecting black African children who live in the sub-Sahara and, and, and survive on corn than to stop the use of, of burning corn to make ethanol. And the World Bank and other international organizations have clearly laid this out in many papers and books. And again, I say, your congressman already knows all of this. He's been told amply and has every reason to understand uh, these very, very simple facts. And what's keeping him going is greed. Uh, He just does not want to turn away from the wonderful lobbies back there in Washington that make life so pleasant for him while he's serving back there. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. 
and please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.